0: Well, welcome. Welcome to Homepage Radio. My name is Duo Dickinson. I'm an architect. I write some. And once a month here at WPKN, 89.5 FM on your radio dial and streaming at WPKN.org, you are f- pleased to hear Homepage Radio, which is basically about where we live. And where we live is often been defined as a money-making proposition, as we all know now in this COVID real estate bubble and also a mass marketing tool to drive us to different stores, big box places to buy things, make things, do things. And it's also just a DIY obsession for a lot of people. And Homepage Radio really is not about any of those things. Homepage Radio really is about the essential reality of where we live, our homes, because everybody has one. Whether you're in a rental or whether you're in a McMansion or whether you're living in the back of a car or whether you're under a bridge, every single person has a place to live. But that definition changes. But the need and the realities of it are universal for all of us. And joining me in the studio today is without question the best radio engineer that is wearing glasses right now, and definitely the best beard in the room, by
1: far, uh, Rod Richardson. Rod, how are you? I am fine. I am relaxed. I am happy to be here. I'm enthralled by the topic. Oh, you are? Well, because it's so alien to me.
0: There we are. Aliens are good. Now, aliens are a community as well. And I do, I do actually want to ask you this one fundamental question. I've, we've talked about your home over the last months, and especially in COVID and all the rest. You live, obviously, everybody does, in some kind of a neighborhood, some kind of a community, some sort of a, 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 a place that's greater than the four walls of your home. Have you found yourself during this weird time feeling more a part of it, less a part of it? What do you think?
1: Uh, I think for me it's been unchanged because for me, community is more defined by the people in my life rather, uh-huh. rather than the geographical location. Mm-hmm. And I think this largely stems from the fact that when I was a child, we moved about every four years less, ah. and including at one point a stint living in France. And so as a result, I was sort of forced to think of my my community as being people who were fairly distant from me Mm. and um, during the COVID thing I kept coming into the radio station to do the stuff I had to do so for me a lot of my life was unchanged and so where I live now I'm within a few miles of of friends of mine that I knew prior to moving to where I live um, but in terms of establishing connections with other people in the immediate neighborhood, that really hasn't occurred. Um, and I'm not sure whether this is a typical phenomenon or rather well. r- more unusual. Because whenever I hear somebody talking about living in the same town all their lives yep. and knowing people their entire lifetime, it, it strikes me as as, a, a, as another worldly experience. Because it's simply not the way my life has worked. Yep. And, and you know what's really interesting
0: is this show is about that. We're going to have three people that have historic... Um, perspectives on what neighborhoods are. And I I thought of this topic simply because for more than a year, we were in our homes, except for people like Rod and me that had to go to work because we were effectively essential businesses for people's lives. And a lot of other people that could not commute, that could not go out to buy things, go to a movie, do anything we're probably more part of their neighborhoods than at any time, really since, I think, the federal highway system, really since World War II. I mean, and that's only highlighted to me by the fact that now airplane flights are choked to the t- 2019 levels. The highways are filled with crazy driving people. Um Things are, quote-unquote, normal, close quote, in terms of our... Leaving our four walls, but I'm wondering if that episodic movement is possible with a increase in our at least awareness of our neighborhoods. And my sense would be that that we should think about what life was before cars, before planes, before the internet. Uh, were there neighborhoods? that we're just simply a group of families not necessarily connected in any other way except adjacencies. W- were communities just us? Or were communities or are communities now simply a governmental construct that allows us to live in the world? Was life before factories in New England so much a part of home industries that when we now have, through Zoom and everything else, become a country of home offices for many people, not everybody, but a lot of people, has the past become prologue? So the question I really have is, in our separation in COVID, are we changed in terms of our communities? I know, because I'm an architect and I deal with people every day, our perceptions of where we live in our homes has changed. It's deepened. People think more about their homes than they have before in different ways. And they thinking about it in different uses too, and different appreciations of even their own outdoor spaces. But has that extended? Has that increased awareness extended to our neighborhoods? Are we living a more local vor reality or will we simply slide back to simply bypassing our home in favor of the distant distant appeals of other places or a commuter lifestyle or just simply tuning out? Well, I think maybe we're, we may be seeing a little bit of a redefinition of what a neighborhood is. And maybe that means front porches mean more. Maybe that means that cars mean less. Maybe that means that people might not binge or surf or internet connect as much now that they can actually have connections with people, but maybe they might still want to connect to the neighborhood. I don't know. But what's really great about homepage radio is we get to talk to people that maybe do know, or at least know what they don't know. And that's part of what post COVID is. I think that we really now understand that maybe we didn't have the answers before we were all locked in our homes for a year and really quite nervous since then. So this month, Homepage Radio extends the idea of home beyond the four walls of our dwellings. You know, after these 18 months of both isolation and local connection, are they going to change the definition of home to include the world around us? Or has sequestration terrorized us to withhold faith beyond simple self-protection? So when we come back to Homepage Radio, we're going to be talking to three distinct perspectives that all involve basically history, but also involve their own experiences as people that, like all of us, live in a neighborhood. So this month, this fourth Thursday of every month, Homepage Radio will focus on the home, but now the home as community, as our neighborhood as the place we live beyond our house. Back Mm -hmm. in a bit. Hey, welcome back to Homepage Radio. My name is Duo Dickinson. I'm an architect, and I both make things and write things, but I'm also the host of this radio show at this radio station, which, just because it happens to be true, is one of the great places for you to be here and for me to be here, but also for everyone to support. This really is community-based radio. This this would not exist without people donating time and service to making this kind of communication and connection possible. And that possibility only happens if people like you, the listener, might want to contribute. So go to the website, see what you can do or what you like, and realize that we're moving. We're moving probably in a month or two to a new facility. And that means a lot of time, effort, and money needs to be generated to make that happen. So do go to the WPKN website and see what's there. And I would love it if you could be a part of it. So in this issue of homepage radio, we're dealing with home as we do every month. But we're dealing with home, not just about buildings or about apartments or about spaces. We're dealing with home as a larger reality because home is, as you know, they say, where the heart is. Home is Sweet, home, sweet home. Home is our hometown, our home community for many people. But as Rod was saying, he moved around a lot as a a child, so there wasn't this sense of hometown reality. I work right in my own hometown. So when COVID happened, there was no difference in terms of my ability to uh, interrelate with the people that I do every day for the last 37 years living in Madison, Connecticut. No, it it really did not affect me. But I also know people who have spent Their lives, their entire lives, going to work and coming back from work, creating the bedroom community that many people associate with the state of Connecticut and Long Island, to be honest. And this episode expressly deals with what a neighborhood or community is now, maybe what it was in the recent history, but actually maybe what it was before recent history. And because of that, I really wanted to hear from Jason Bischoff-Wursel, who many people here know from running the relay radio show at WBCAN, but many people might not realize that he's one of the few people I call a genius because he creates environments at the New Haven Museum that take history and make it now, that actually take places and people long gone and create a sense of what they were, who they were now. So welcome to Homepage Radio, Jason Bischoff-Worsell.
2: Oh, thank you so much, Duo. I'm always happy to be here.
0: Well, I just have to ask because I'm a bad person. How's the baby?
2: Oh, very good. Getting big.
0: That's what we like. Is it running around trying to kill people and himself at the same time?
2: Uh, not people, but, you know, very, very daring. Very daring you know.
0: <laughs> Well, at
2: that point, exploring the, 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 the incredible world.
0: That's around. what we're talking about today, actually. Mm-hmm. So tell me, with your beautiful family, tell me about your neighborhood. Tell, tell me where you live that's beyond your walls. Tell me, about, tell me about how you live there.
2: Oh, well, my neighborhood, I live in Fairhaven, uh, which is uh, you know a neighborhood in New Haven. And um, I live more specifically in an area that's called Chatham Square. Mm. Um, and that's kind of been a more of an impl- uh, implied uh, title, if you will, um, of uh, kind of neighborhood growth and community involvement for the last uh, probably 20 to 30 years. Mm. Um, so, specifically, that's kind of the, the little area I live in. Uh, Fairhaven itself has a long history, it was actually independent of New Haven for, for quite a while. Mm. Uh, it was the oyster capital of the world at one point. Wow. Um, And more specifically, where I live, kind of within the countryside. Um, I live near the river, which once had wharves and, uh, you know, many more things catering to the oyster business when it was at its peak. But my specific neighborhood, I like to think of more as really was a a trolley suburb, Um, you know, and and at the heyday of the oystering business, uh, this was just slightly removed from the village center which would have been more congregated on grand ave hmm. uh, which is only a couple blocks from my house and especially removed from downtown new haven which is about a mile or two right um so in today's terms that's that's nothing in fact it's like oh that's wonderful you live in the city that's fantastic and and it, it truly is i mean you know we have beautiful trees and yards and what have you you know we have, we actually have some space for living in the city um but you know, if you look at the terms of when this neighborhood was constructed, this was out. Mm. And this was out in the burbs,
0: right? It, it that rich and intense history which you you're you're a part of. You knew that I'm sure way before COVID. But did you find that? You no, know, because I'm sure the New Haven Museum was closed, and your office is probably closed. Did you find a deeper or better? connection to your neighborhood in this year of sequestration, or did it not change for you?
2: Um, I'd say definitely a deeper connection, Ah. Um, more so just because, and even today, I'm still, I'm working from home. Ah. Um, And um, so just that opportunity to work from home, um, in essence, I, I see the seasons change. Uh, I'm home for that. I see Hmm. the small differences. I know when certain people walk their dogs at what time of day. Hmm. Um, And it's not, you know, it's all just sort of absorbing that over a year plus spent here. And also that that opposite of prior to this, especially even, you know, leading right up to the event of COVID beginning, um, you know, there were times where I felt like I was sleeping in the office. You know, I was basically there. And then I was home to kind of eat, you know, go to bed, get mm-hmm. up, you go to work. Or you go do other things. You know, you leave the house. You go to events. You go to right. concerts. You, you, do, you did more stuff. But it, it was funny, during the, midst of, um, during the midst of us all being home, you know, we, we, we all noticed different things about the house. <laughs> we noticed sure. different things about the neighborhood. And uh, I think it was wonderful because it, it kind of gets down to that core thing. You know, if you think philosophically, it's like, well, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, what, what, are you, what are you doing by working so much or doing, you know, working not enough or what have you to afford a certain lifestyle and then you're almost never part of that lifestyle. And where you live mm. in your neighborhood is your lifestyle. Or if it's not, you can make the choice to up and go from that neighborhood and find where your lifestyle fits.
0: Well, that that is that insight right there that that you, in effect, that the extension of, you live to where the neighborhood is you know you you've created these incredible shows i mean that are micro histories they're phenomenal and and in all of course centered on new haven but you know as you described your neighborhood the the bunch of blocks and not much more than that that are your neighborhood are replicated maybe in 20 or 40 places in new haven and then thousands upon thousands of places all across connecticut and long island Just, and I won't hold you to it, and and, and you will not be fact-checked. Do you think that your experience, when you say you got to know your neighborhood better, do you think that this is a return to the way neighborhoods were, say, before the highway system, before television, before so much airplane travel? Do you think that we're, as a culture, connecting to our neighborhoods more or not? I think
2: I think it's a mix of the two, honestly. You know, mm. I, I've given this some thought, and you know, again, all it's always kind of work, working in the field of history. Um, you, know, you, you definitely, I'm, I'm privy to to understanding patterns and understanding changes and what have you, but also kind of not looking through things. Through a, I, I try not to look through things uh, through the lens of nostalgia, mm. and I think a lot of things are sold on that idea, that idea of nostalgia, and so say neighborhoods this neighborhood 100 years ago uh, would have been on the cusp. It was, it was you know, newer. You know, for mm. instance, our house was built in the 19, early 19-teens, and it was a very modern house, for mm. You And know, we don't have a fireplace.
3: Mm. That was
2: extremely modern. We mm. had electricity built into the house at wow. the time. So, you know, when you stop and think about it, it's like, okay, this was a very modern place. Now it's, you know, oh, that's clean. It's uh, 100 years old, blah, blah, blah. You know, but it's this was advanced so it's a question of what's advanced and what's not and then also kind of the reasons for things it's um you know and that's where i don't think necessarily we're going back I, I to a certain way of doing things because we have i mean if basically in a nutshell if you got rid of the internet sure we'd go back <laughs> to a certain a certain thing because right now you know do i have to go to a movie theater I know maybe yeah. you know but but even in the last 15 years I now have I don't know how many streaming channels I have access to how many thousands of movies and television right. shows at any given day I have access to thousands of uh albums of music uh options so when you think about it those reasons in the past those were reasons for uh, this built on community you know and it was a reason to get out of the house so you went to the corner bar to follow that tradition and go into the tavern to blow off steam, but also catch up on things. You catch up on gossip. You catch up on the news. Not to mention, you know, you go to the corner bar, a beer was, you know, 50 cents. You know, you get a beer and a shot for a dollar kind of thing. Now your beer's $10. Right. The affordability of it's not there. And also that's also central to kind of a downtown thing. You know, in my neighborhood, you don't really have those kind of corner amenities as much anymore. Mm. They still exist. But not to the extent that they did, and a lot of that was just—it was natural, organic growth. It was, you know, you had you, you had the trolley that would connect you to right. downtown, and then you had cars, and that made it easier. And then that kind of, you know, then you have a bus, what have you. But you have less of these amenities, and it's kind of like a larger discussion for the idea of food deserts, et cetera. Right. But well, we don't have that type of thing that we did before. So I feel like. Are we going to go back to these to these things?
0: I don't know, honestly. Yeah, I don't know either. And the question I have for you, though, is, and I think you could probably, you've said this in one level, but how do you see the neighborhood changing? Uh, or did it change? But I think you just said it did a little. Um, how did your neighborhood change during the sequestration? Was it simply the interaction was greater, or were there actual changes in the environment? Did people care about more about their front yards, or... Or not?
2: I would say definitely there was a change as far as people actually being home more. Yeah. And and then there was also some sale and turnover in our immediate neighborhood. And I mean, uh, throughout Fairhaven itself, but also our immediate uh, kind of uh, five block radius. Uh, mm. There are new owners. There's uh, kind of a younger, a passing of the torch to a younger generation. Because that's one thing, too. My neighborhood still had um, older generation owners meaning, you know, people there was still a direct connection to uh families from say World War ii and, right. and earlier. Right. Uh so those houses have been passed on and generally to people in their twenties, early thirties, younger families. So you see that and that is happening. And um yeah, basically um yeah, you know, uh, uh there's been a lot of uh you know, let's fix this let's fix this porch. Right. Let's paint the house. Let's uh you know Let's make sure this this uh, this lawn is cut. Let's make sure there's been a lot
0: of tree work, you know. <laughs> so yeah. Well, been, like, in in the closing moments, pain. I've got you. Just just sit in a quick synopsis, do you think not only our homes we know are going to change because you're working at home and you know, but do you think our communities will change? I think
2: I think overall, if it continues, yes. I, I do, because I think it also adds to that appreciation. I think a lot of community change, especially in the case of New Haven, um, you know, it's economically driven, but it's often, especially on the scale of residential, it's driven by the community there. It's driven by the neighbors. And a lot of the successes in my immediate environment here have been from longtime involved uh, neighbors mm-hmm. and, and, and really just. You know, lobbying the city, getting getting things done, making sure the trash is picked up right, making sure this is happening. Mm. So I think, yes, the longer people are, are in one spot, it will allow for that to happen. Um, and that's a question now. Right now there's a push for this return to quote-unquote normal. I like to view it as we have to keep moving forward and create these right. new normals because clearly, just look at the weather. The last two weeks here in Connecticut, not to mention around the country, there's no new normal. You know, there's no, or the, rather, there is a new normal. There is no old normal that we can go back to. <laughs> right. How well, long listen, that takes,
0: I don't know. <laughs> thank you so much for being on Homepage Radio, Jason Bischoff wurzel It's great to have you. Great to listen to you on WPKN, and I hope uh, I, I see you in the new studios soon. So yes, great to absolutely. have you.
2: absolutely.
0: I look forward to it. Thanks so much, Duo. No problem. So when we get back to Homepage Radio. We'll be talking to somebody that's dealt with houses, housing, and neighborhoods for a very long time, and now right here in Bridgeport, Connecticut. So when we come back, Steve Grothwall, who is a on the board of directors of Bridgeport Neighborhood Trust. This is Duane Dickinson at Homepage Radio. <music> Rod, I was just getting into that music riff before you tuned it down there. That was pretty nice. Glad you like it. It's really beautiful music. Hey, this is Homepage Radio on WPKN 89.5 FM on your radio dial. WPKN is an extraordinary collection of people that have really for way over 40 years. It's been how long, Rod? Uh, 58 altogether. Good lord. 58 years of making incredible radio. Live radio. That actually not only delights the ears for music, but also delights the mind with thoughts. And if you like what you hear here, um hear here. But I would also say go to the website and actually see what you can do to help make this place happen. Cause it takes enormous amount of volunteer effort, resources, and we're moving to a new studio in a matter of a month or two. And the needs of this radio station for help in all ways is extraordinary. And it's also extraordinary that we're coming out of COVID in a way which has two tracks that our last guest just spoke of, which is people want to be normal. They want to come back to what it was before. And at the same time, by a year of sequestration, we've changed. And we've changed perhaps internally, but a lot in how we perceive where we live. Everybody that I know, and I'm an architect that deals with people every day about their homes. Everybody is thinking more about their homes and differently about their homes. And that's a good thing. It's been true of all human history that homes have evolved because our lives have evolved. And this last uh, evolution was one where we had to think about where we lived as our place of work and also as kind of a prison, but also as maybe a, a retreat so that change, I think, maybe extends actually to our neighborhoods, to our communities beyond our four walls, because we were there all this time. And to either say right on or disabuse me of that idea, is an extraordinary uh, advocate for housing, Steve Grothwall. And Steve is, is a is a principal of Westport Property Management, but he's on the board of directors of Bridgeport Neighborhood Trust, a group that really works hard to create living environments and neighborhoods in downtown Bridgeport. Um, and he's also a member of the Affordable Housing Committee in, in Fairfield. So he, more than most people that I know, understands home beyond just the house. Steve, welcome to Homepage Radio.
4: Thank you, Duo.
0: So... Um. So yeah, Steve when I, oh, sorry. when I
4: saw the agenda duel with the music break next to my name, <laughs> I thought I was gonna be able to play the piano for a couple of minutes. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, you know, you still can. Just yeah. have to, you have to you have to talk in tune to your to your notes. Uh, yeah. so Steve, tell me about your neighborhood. Tell me about where you live and just maybe rhapsodize about whether there was change in the way you viewed your neighborhood or not in this last year of sequestration?
4: Uh, So I've lived in Fairfield for 30 years, and at the start I was in uh, Greenfield Hill, which has larger lot sizes, and uh, no matter how you look at it, it wasn't really a neighborhood. You know, you had to drive your car to your neighbors. Mm. Uh, Then I moved to uh, the area called Stratfield, or part of Stratfield, and it is truly a neighborhood.
3: Mm. Um,
4: it was built after the war, um, late forties, early fifties, and a lot of small capes and um, small ranches. Um, you might today call them starter homes. They huh. had two to three bedrooms, one bath, uh, and. Uh, An aside on that, you know, being on the affordable housing committee, um, it really distresses me now when these homes come up for sale. They've been lived in for forty years. Mm. You know, they come up. They're three hundred and fifty thousand, four hundred thousand, which is still starter housing in Fairfield. yeah uh, But they get bought by a developer, torn down, and they become eight hundred thousand dollar houses. Mm. Um And. Uh, It's just unfortunate. Um, We have not yet found a way that we can um, capture some of those houses uh, to be reused as they are or to be uh, de-restricted as affordable. Mm. Um, The neighborhood, uh, if I look back, um, before it was developed, there were farms here. There was a a big horse farm. There were uh, other farms and the houses started to get built, and it developed as I said as a little neighborhood. I can see there's a couple of churches, there's a um, a school, uh, there's a couple of buildings that, if I think back to my childhood in the Midwest, were neighborhood grocery stores. Mm. You know, maybe two thousand square feet downstairs with the owner living above stairs, mm. um, upstairs, and there were. Kids, Um, I'm imagining there were lots of kids, the baby boom generation. Uh, Today, there are fewer. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, during the last eighteen months, um, I I pretty much always knew my neighborhood. Mm. Do excuse me, I've lived here for ten years, and I'm I'm a walker. I've got a dog. I run, and and so I. I know the boundary of my neighborhood, which is a subset of, of Stratfield. And as I think back over the last 18 months and who I saw walking, um, it it really didn't change that much, except uh, they didn't walk in groups. Uh, one person with a dog, you know, a couple holding mm. hands. Um, but uh, and, and maybe this is a 21st century thing that there was, um, you didn't see lots of kids, Yeah. kids riding bikes. You know, even when they didn't have school, um, you know, when I was a kid, we were outdoors all the time. Hmm. Now, um, even today, I don't see as many kids uh, in the neighborhood. Um, and one of the things I miss... Uh, kind of silly enough, is the school buses. Ah. They used to come past my house two or three in the morning, two or three in the afternoon, and they would turn at the corner. And so for the, like, the last 10 years, I got to recognize some of the school kids, and I got to watch them transition from you know, middle school to high school or grade school right. to high school. Um, and, and I really do miss that. Uh, Hopefully it'll come back in the fall.
0: Well, that's a really interesting insight in that we everybody focuses on home offices as being this um, byproduct of sequestration, that the quote-unquote bedroom community that so much of Fairfield County is and, and Long Island um, is permanently changed, that maybe it's not over, uh, there will be people that commute, you know New York City will still get people to come into the offices in New York but there'll be just far less commutation in places where people go to work at a different place where you don't need the place to work and that relates directly to school so my guess is if i read into what you're saying is you you don't think there was an enormous change in your perception of the neighborhood's sense of itself or how it functions, that it it's, it functioned the same way that people were just staying at home not as much as they were staying at work before.
4: Um, yes. Um, we all um, saw less of our friends and our yeah. families. Um, and But I could see that in myself, but I can't see it in my neighbors so much. I don't know what my neighbor's didn't get to do who they didn't get mm. to see, um, but for me personally, that was a um, a really sad part of yeah. the eighteen months. Yeah. Uh, and my my girlfriend became she's a grandmother now three times over. Wow, uh, two of them within the last year, and you know a, a grandmother loves to do nothing more than to hug her grandchildren. Right and um, and so she's been now able to do more of that, but for a while she was uh very frustrated very frustrated well
0: let let me pull back in the moments I have left with you, I want to pull back because your expertise in building communities literally or preserving communities literally, what do you think as as we've all you know been? part of our communities in a in a more direct way than ever before, whether or not the communities change or not. How would you define a community? Is it based on affinity? Is it based on proximity? Is it based on geography in terms of blocks and tightness? How do you think people have created neighborhoods and will that change because of sequestration and technology and all the rest?
4: So I see it in two ways, duo, that the neighborhood is geographic, right. Right? I think, you know, by definition, <clears throat> but they used to be social communities as well with a lot of face-to-face interaction, and I don't see that returning mm. uh, in the short term, uh, and to me, that is much more needed Um, I belong to uh, another community, the Unitarians, and to me, even though they don't live near me, they're not in my neighborhood, they are my, quote, community, Ah. that I spend a good deal of time socializing with them, working with them. Um, My guess is, in the old days, uh, your religious community would be on your corner, right? so you would have your social interaction with your neighbors, because they would be also um, at that uh, local church. Mm. Uh, and so I'm I'm concerned about that. We all need um, community. We all need to be together face-to-face, Zoom or conference calls. Uh, they just, you know, they, they just don't replace it.
0: They don't cut it. And I think also what you're also mentioning is that, you know, in the Northeast— Church attendance is, you know, down to a, a low, not seen since the Great Depression. So yeah. so fewer and fewer people actually congregate, literally, um, than they used to. And from what you're saying to me is that you're not so sure that sequestration changed that trend towards isolation.
4: Um well, it didn't. It didn't make it better. Um, right. By the way, Zoom has been kind of a boom. It's a good thing for a lot of communities in that you can get people on a Zoom call. Uh, relatives in California that you can't see here, or a hundred people that you used to see at a church. Right. Um, but it's not the same. No. It's not face to face. You don't get to shake a hand or hug somebody. And we are social animals, and
0: we need that. Well, I really am grateful you came on air with me, Steve Grathwall, And I really thank you for the incredible community service that you give to Bridgeport, which is the home of WPKN. And I want to thank you for the time you spent with us today. So thanks a lot, Steve.
4: Thank you,
0: Duel. So when we come back, we're going to probably pull back some. You know, just as local vore as Steve Grathwall is, Steve Muzon is... From Tuscaloosa. Uh, he's, he's, and he's, I think, I could be wrong, I think he's living in either Alabama or Georgia right now, but he's not here, that's for darn sure. And I think his perspective about the nature of communities has been an obsession, is an entire life. And so my hope would be that we could pull back from these direct experiences of. Jason bischoff Wurzel that maybe found a little more community in his neighborhood. And Steve Grathwald saying, no, it really didn't change that much. As we approach, I think, the next generation of post-COVID home creation. And this is Duo Dickinson. I'm on homepage radio and WPKN 89.5 FM. We'll return shortly with Steve Muzon. Yeah, you see, this is the bad thing. The music in WPKN is so good, you don't want me to talk because you just want to keep listening to the music. But you know, you're sentenced to about another 15 minutes of, of listening to homepage radio here in WPKN. My name is Duo Dickinson. I'm an architect. And on homepage radio, every, once a month, whether you like it or not, once a month, we are talking about home, not just the home of the do-it-yourselfer projects, or the home of the real estate broker madness of sell, 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 but the home that's part of everyone's life, whether they rent, own, uh, live with their mom, sleep in a basement, it, it basically is a universal reality of every human being's life. Well, in that continuity of, of universality, there's also the extreme idiosyncrasy of every individual, but there's also the idiosyncrasy of the time of our lives. What's happening when? And we've just been through this strange one-year period where the conventional wisdom is we'll never be the same again our homes will change forever how we work changes forever and all the talking heads give the 12 or 10 or 27 points that our lives will never be the same again as it was before covid well that all could be true it might not be true but what is i think undeniably true is that when people are forced to stay in one place versus go hither and thon both for work and social reasons we get to know where we are more by just physical presence. And our previous guests talked about that. One saying that it increased their awareness of their community. The other saying his community really hadn't changed that people were more inside. Well, that diversity of sensibilities is why Steve Muzon is on homepage radio and that's because Steve's an architect and urbanist. He, he writes, of course, and he's a photographer. But he, the most impressive reality, I think, of Steve's long tenure as a person thinking about how we live is he helped create urban guild, which fostered the Katrina cottages you all know, uh, in, in new Orleans. And he's been an architect really for 30 years and has been, built towns and tools to make towns. And he derives something called a living tradition, which we, I think we've talked about on this show before, which is a new type of way of looking at things. And that's before COVID, all of it. And so I'm going to welcome Steve Muzon to Page Radio. Welcome, Steve.
5: Thanks so much, duo and great to be on here with you again.
0: But Tell us where you actually physically are right now.
5: Well, in a very different place than the last time we talked. Uh, we have been in South Beach for 17 years, uh, working with a lot of new urbanists down there and, and so forth. But uh, uh, actually, we're in—I'm uh, I'm in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, right now. Mm. I've been doing design review work for the university uh, since 2003. But then uh, they brought me back in uh, recently, instead of one day a month and a more uh, a, a more involved thing. And so it's it's a very different setting uh, than when we last spoke.
0: Well, tell us about your neighborhood in this new place for you, where you live. Well, you
5: know, it's, it's a really weird thing because living in South Beach, where everything is completely walkable, uh, you know, I, I thought when I first came here, I said, you know, I can only do this uh, two weeks out of the month because I got to get my urban fix again because I can't, <laughs> uh, you know, I can't be in an unwalkable place all the time. But what shocked me was the fact that depending on where you live in Tuscaloosa, uh, I, we have actually made a life for ourselves here, uh, walking every bit as much as we did in South Beach. Wow. Uh, you know, we walked to the grocery and, and uh, you know, dozens of other things. And it, it just, I, I never would have believed that uh, had, uh, uh, had had someone told me that before we came here.
0: Hmm. And do you, that sounds like a really interesting evolution, but what about the evolution of, of COVID, of, of, of pandemic? Did you find that your relationship to your neighborhood, besides being a new neighborhood, and it's all new, did you find people's relationship to their neighborhood, your neighborhood, changing during this time or not?
5: Oh, it absolutely did, because of the fact that, that, uh, now, I'm kind of a walking fanatic, so Wanda and I would be, you know, we walk a lot no matter what, Mm. uh, but during the pandemic, with everyone else out walking, too, you know, Mm. especially when things were pretty much shut down, you know, you really got to know people you never would have known uh because we were all outside rather than inside and it it uh, and then we got to know parts of the neighborhood that we never would have known uh either because of the fact that we're out and and it actually caused us to to really be dedicated about getting out every single day uh, uh you know in in uh, in most cases, we get ten thousand steps just living life, <laughs> but uh, you know we're more dedicated now to making sure we get the ten thousand uh or an hour on a bike uh one of the two mm. and and so it it really is uh that i I' never had that dedication before the pandemic uh but mm. hopefully it's something that'll last a lifetime
0: well, you're uniquely i think equipped to deal with this question i mean, you are deeply fundamentally involved with the quote unquote new urbanism movement, which essentially is about community and about neighborhood. And I would like you to sort of opine on what you think a, a neighborhood is as the as the part of our lives which is beyond the four walls, but is is really of who we are and our home. What do you think neighborhoods
1: are?
5: Well what they what they should be, and what they were before World War II, because we've really uh, departed from that model for uh, for for decades now. Uh, but what they uh, what they should be is places where you can get around to all your daily needs, uh, self propelled, meaning either mm. walking or cycling, and and uh, you know, and, and and we're also they're designed in such a way that you actually, like we did there during the pandemic, that they're designed in such a way that you actually get acquainted with people. So they actually are your neighbors, not just a subdivision cohabitator. Mm-hmm. You know, which is what uh, happens in so many places now. And and that's just basic stuff. That was just you know, that was just kind of you might say it was just staying alive before uh you know, the nineteen twenties and before. Uh, you know, that's what people that's just mm-hmm. how they live life and, and uh uh but now to to get around to all your daily needs on foot and make a living where you're living and walk to the grocery store and all these things, those are things that People have to consciously set out and be committed to doing that because the design of places that most people live today, uh, you know, it doesn't. It definitely doesn't encourage that, and in many cases, doesn't even allow that. Uh, you know, you take your life in your own hands, walking on the arterial. Um, you know, it. You know, it just would. Uh, you might lose your life, quite frankly.
0: Well, this is really interesting to me because uh, hearing you say this, and I know. And, and people should go look at the Urban Guild site and, and look at Steve Wuzon's site. And and I think if you just text, you know, if you just Google a living tradition, you'll see where he's coming from. But the, the thing which really is interesting to me is you are someone who has passionately devoted yourself to creating neighborhoods and communities with design outcomes based on the motivation to create neighborhoods, to make communities, to to detach from the car, to, to end the idea of a bedroom community, which is an isolated place to sleep because you go somewhere else to work. In all of this, do you think the irony of the fact that home offices, home people living where they work, which used to be 100% of the population 200 years ago, do you think That the resurgence of working where you live will fundamentally change the design, the outcome of creating neighborhoods in a way that maybe an applied aesthetic of new urbanism and an applied motivation could not. Do you think this change will push people to think about a neighborhood as their home?
5: Oh, I, I absolutely, completely do, and it, and, and I, uh, I'll put it this way. If if someone worked in the city and then came home to a bedroom community and, and slept and stuff, mm. uh, and then went back and worked again, you know, they would get their cultural fix in the city, mm. and then home would be just a place you sleep for the most part uh, and get rid of the next morning. But I feel like that there's – I'm almost certain – well, I, I'm, I'm certain that there are – there are people out there. I don't know how many thousands or millions would fit into this category, but if they're working from home, uh, and that, that home is in, uh, you know, out in the suburb somewhere that's a newer suburb that's more sprawl, and not like an old, old line suburb, which actually is a community in itself. But in the, uh, the new, more sprawling places, mm. they gotta be going nuts and saying, man, I feel like I've just, you know, I, I have no social interaction anymore. Mm. And so, those places, if they want to do well down the road, because we don't know how long the the work from home will persist, I think that we're in a sea change right now, of corporations saying, you know, how much uh, high dollar office space that we really need. But so, so I think there's going to be a lot of places that say, if we want to retain this and to grow, we're going to have to do as as our little uh, sprawled subdivision. We're going to have to do an extreme makeover mm. to make make this a place that there's enough cultural things going on that people don't, uh, that they don't go nuts uh, working from home here. It's gotta, it's gotta be like the old suburbs where you actually, uh, you know, it, it, it was a complete place to live because what we now call a suburban sprawl is a very incomplete place to live. You can basically do one thing.
0: Right. Now, this is, this actually is the seminal question of this entire program for the last few years. Do you think, that this immediate and intense revision of how we live, uh, that was imposed upon us by COVID, that's now being released, where you know now highways are full and airplanes are full and people are even beginning to go back to movies again, do you think where will it where will it end up? Will homes themselves change to more be be more present in our neighborhoods?
5: Yes, I think so, and I tell you that the the really fascinating thing that I discovered here, and I've never seen it before before the pandemic. But when the pandemic hit, and there's a lot of houses in Tuscaloosa that had these enormous porches that were almost like outdoor rooms, but they were built into the house it might be you know fourteen by sixteen mm. or something like that mm. that opens to the street. but a lot of them you can't even get to them from outside on the regular you have kind of an entry porch and then right. these outdoor rooms. And I, it had never occurred to me before, but I realized they were all built right after the 1918 pandemic. And so right. those are actually pandemic houses. And, and I really think that we're going to see a, a real transformation of of what home is uh, from what we've learned recently. In other words, uh, if, if something like this is to hit again, and of course, pandemics always come back around, it's just a different disease, then... Where would people feel comfortable being? And it's not just in the regular house, you know, the regular, uh, you know, wood woodstead box that we've been building for years and just right. slathering style on of, of whatever style. You know, it, it needs to fundamentally work differently, uh, like those houses did for a few years in the uh, early 1920s uh, here in Tuscaloosa, and I'm sure in many other cities as well. We just haven't seen it before because we weren't looking for it.
0: Well, Steve, your contribution is fantastic to Homepage Radio, and I really appreciate your time, and thank you so much for being here.
5: Delighted. Thanks,
0: Duo. So Homepage Radio comes on once a month at WPKM, and what we talk about is where you live, what you value, how your home reflects your values, because our homes really aren't about other people telling us what we want, despite all those real estate brokers. Actually, homes are what we make them. They don't make us. We make them. Our economics is derived from what we value. And since the pandemic, it's been very clear that that has changed the way we live. How we live determines what we want to do with our homes. What we want to do with our homes determines what our homes are. And my hope is, and my thought is, that because communities and neighborhoods have been more part of our lives, so will our homes. This is Duo Dickinson, Homepage Radio, WPKN 89.5 FM.